Hi there, I'm Ben Pierce, and welcome to the Elevated You podcast, the podcast all about helping you in the tech world develop your professional skills. Each episode, we share the top tips, failures, and lived experiences of people thriving in the same world as you. I'm so glad you're here. So let's get going. Hey, folks, and welcome along to this episode. Now, today, I wanted to talk about something that that I spend a lot of time working on with people, technical storytelling. So today, I've invited a wonderful chap to be the guest host of the podcast, Mr. Don Carmichael. Don, could you introduce yourself? Oh, yeah. Ben, I'm blushing. You can't see it on podcasts, but I'm actually <laughs> blushing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I'm Don Carmichael. Uh, I have a, a pre-sales enablement company, which is called, oh, guess what? DonCarmichael.com. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've been in uh, pre-sales over 35 years, all the different kinds of roles. Um, but actually, I evolved into running pre-sales enable- enablement and development um, for in EMEA for both SAP and Oracle. And I've te- taken those skills, kind of moved them on to kind of courses, um, uh, workshops, uh, keynotes, that kind of thing. And I'm very, very interested in the future of the technical selling the pre-sales role. So that's me. Brilliant. Well, thanks, Don. So I guess uh, I'll hand over to you. So, Don, over to you. Excellent stuff, yeah. I suppose the first thing we should do is kind of break that down uh, technical storytelling because just before we pressed record you you were telling me that actually uh, there are several things that are cons- uh, constituent to that and um, you know one of them is public speaking but also the kind of you know the storytelling element to it so how how do you break down technical storytelling yeah so so for me it's about effective communication and effective influence in in the tech world so um, and, and when I break that down, like how in, in the tech world, where it can be really complex, uh, really complex. And we've got a very varied audience, you know, from business decision makers through to enterprise architects through to developers. So where it can get very high level or very low level, um, how can we break that down so that we can be effective? And so the technical storytelling course really breaks into four areas that I look at it. Firstly, is about the audience. And so making your content relevant to the audience, whether it's the chief marketing officer or whether it's the group of graduates you've just hired, you know, it, it you know, it's making it relevant. Um, so we think about that. Then we think about how do we create great content, which has got a great flow that, that looks really nice, that's structured brilliantly. So you've got great content. Then we think about how do you deliver that? How do you be authentic? Um, How do you manage your performance anxiety anxiety and, and that kind of stuff? So we think about how you deliver that well. And then we think about how do you do that in the many different environments you need to do that, whether that's on stage at a technical conference, whether that's in an intimate meeting, um, whether that's over Zoom or Teams or whether that's on camera. So it's almost like an, an end to end from nothing through to really effective communication, but all of it sort of aimed around this tech world that can get really complex. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'd, what struck me when you were saying that is that, um, you know, with lockdown and everything, we've we've had this situation where everybody everybody went kind of remote and Zoom. 
And, and as a lot of us have been in the industry a while, it's actually very difficult going back to doing it live because we're really, really rusty. But also yeah. there's a perspective that the, there is a whole load of people have entered our, um, our profession, you know, technical storytellers, technical communicators, um, who entered it in, you know, in the era of kind of lockdown. Um, and yeah. for them, they've never done it live in front of people. And that, that must be quite stressful for them. Yeah, yeah, because there's all these things when you're in a room with somebody that you don't get over Zoom, you know, uh, or or over any other video conference. So, it, yeah, I, I can just imagine how stressful that might be, uh, being face to face. Yeah, well, uh, one of the things that about me was I used to find it quite addictive uh, communicating in front of a live audience. It was almost like there must be some pheromones or chemicals that seem to yeah. pass backwards and forwards between people, and um, yeah. and when I kind of got to a stage in my career where I, I just wasn't allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> um, you know, the yeah. live thing, I, I missed it. And, and one of the things I started doing instead was it, I'd always been a musician. We started to do, um, uh, do open mic nights in pubs and things like that. Right. And, it, and, it, and yeah. the main reason I was doing it was g- give me that kind of stress level, but yeah. also give me that, that kind of communication thing, you know, where yeah. people hopefully enjoyed what I w- was playing and singing um, and yeah. it, so it turned out, I think, that I was kind of addicted to the performance part of it. Yeah, yeah. And, and do you know what? I think I think I would agree with that as well. I think for me, whether it's either on video or live, uh, sorry, or in person, the fact that it's live, I, I quite like the adrenaline a little bit. Mm. You know, like, I quite like adrenaline sports. I quite like snowboarding and surfing, you know, and uh, and that kind of stuff, because there is something that you have to do live you can't just have another go you can't take another take you know you, and and that means that you're really focused and in the present a bit like sport or music where you suddenly become completely consumed by that thing that you're doing so doing stuff live whether on uh camera on you know video conferencing or in person i think really quite exciting gets the juices flowing <laughs> yeah, yeah indeed yeah I, don't, I know some people don't like that um but i'd kind of no. suggest if you you know if you're going to go into a client facing role, then <laughs> you better know yeah. up front that that is that's part <laughs> of it. You know, and, and yeah. get used to it. Yeah. So again, Absolutely. before we we press record, you would tell you have you've got this amazing career, what would you call it acronym abbreviation thing that you the way yeah. that you gather all your thoughts together about how these different elements of technical storytelling fit together. So I wondered if you could tell us about that because I thought this was a brilliant piece of thinking. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well. So I so I, I've just done spent so many years doing technical certification and all of that kind of stuff, and I like simple little models that help you remember things. Um, and I've forgotten the exact name. I ought to look it up, particularly before going on podcasts. Uh, is it a mnemonic or something like that? But basically, a set of letters that stand for something. And so uh, the one that I remember when it comes to, to, to storytelling is Auron. Okay, so that's spelt A O R. E-N. It probably should be something a bit better, like storm or fire or ice or, so, or something like that. But I couldn't think of a, a yeah a good one. So Auron, you need to think of like some elven king from the Tolkien world, you know, King Auron, you know, or, or, or something like that. But what it stands for um, is A stands for audience. Uh, o stands for objective. R stands for remembered. E stands for uh energy or emotion and then n stands for next steps and so whenever i'm thinking about right i need to either present or communicate effectively with this group or these people in a in an important you know meeting or an important presentation 
I, th- I think of that and I've, I've got a template. So I write that down and it acts like a, a guiding star, you know, like the North Star that keeps me anchored and on point uh, in the communication that we're going through. Wow. I th- wow. I mean, some people uh, who listen to this might kind of go, well, well, you know, some of that I get. But wow, I would never have thought, you know, to plot up front and think about the kind of emotion or energy. I need any yeah. some you know some of that is real you know really subtle and and quite different yeah so so it's interesting the the energy so so I'm a musician as well actually you you, you said you were a, a musician and whenever I'm planning a playlist or like we we'd be doing a set list or, or that kind of stuff I would always think about the energy um because th- there's a great quote from Maya Angelou and I'm going to misquote it because I haven't got it right in front of me but pe- it's, it's something like people will forget what you say people will forget what you do but people will never forget how you made them feel wow. because that is that's something you know you leave that gig you leave that sports match you leave that thing going I remember this feeling mm-hmm. um and it's such a powerful thing, emotion. And 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 yet when we're thinking about how can we effectively land a message with somebody, we don't necessarily go, well, well how am I going to make them feel? I'm going to talk about network protocols or I'm going to talk about business outcomes. But are you thinking about, well, actually, I want them to feel at the beginning a bit angry that they are doing this outdate. They've got all this technical debt, for example. But then I might want to make them feel that there is hope <laughs> and and that they're confident in a way forward. And so if you're thinking these are the kind of gen- these are kind of emotion or energy that I want to create at different points, it helps you craft the flow of the content that you want to deliver. Do you know what that that's that has so many kind of linkages to other things? I was just thinking, um, there's a new new book out, newish book out called Jolt by uh, Matt Dixon. So he's he's one of the the people who invented um, Challenger Challenger selling. Yeah, and and I think you know one of the things that came out of that was is just tracking on what you just said there was that we have a problem with selling on fear. You know, that fear is a great thing to kind of perhaps open people out. You know, uh, but if we kind of that's the emotion we leave them with and um, fear kind of results in indecision, you know, um, and I think there's a lot more research that's saying actually what we want to do is leave people with, with hope, you know, a positive kind of energy thing, a positive feeling that, you know, that w- we should do this because this is going to have a positive, you know, a hopeful outcome, not because I'm yeah. fearful of it. And, and so that that's brilliant. You've already yeah, been thinking yeah. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so so E is is energy. I mean, I would say A is kind of where I always start, yeah. um, and and A is where I always start because um, A is for audience, of course. Yeah. And I think so many people, when they're thinking about uh, doing a presentation or or in a sales conversation, it becomes a bit about them. You know, what am I going to say? How am I going to do this? Um, and actually, if you flip that round and go, hold on, who's my audience? I need to understand my audience. And if the purpose of this situation now is to be relevant and give value to my audience, um, it helps you create the, the content that they want to hear. But also for those people that are sort of getting a bit of performance anxiety, um, it helps to take you out of the equation a bit. It's about this this great message that you, you want to talk about and these people getting value. It's not about you. It's about them getting value on this great message that you want to give to them got you, got you, yeah so the o i think you said was kind of objectives so um yep. is that 
does that link to because the end was next steps which you know i'd love to talk about in a minute but do the two things kind of link together do you think Moving yeah to... ab- absolutely i mean so so when i think about objectives i like to think of it from two different perspectives the first perspective is the audience objective because i always try and put the audience at the center of everything so when the audience sits down with you um what is their objective that they want to get from this session? Do they want to find a new way forward? Do they, you know, what what is it that they are hoping to get from this? And if you can then think about that um, and use that to help you craft your content and your next steps and, and everything else, that's good. But then the other thing is selfishly, what, what are your objectives that, that you want to get from this? So the customer is looking to try and get a way forward in situation X. Maybe you're looking to try and get a sale if it's a sales conversation. Maybe if it's that you're trying to build energy for a type of technology, you know, maybe you're getting some more champions of that this technology that you're kind of driving. Maybe it's a business stakeholder that you're talking to, an internal business stakeholder, and your objective is you want to get their support to take your architecture forward, you know, or, or something like that. So you've kind of got what are they trying to get as their objectives and what are your objectives which then does couple to the end, which is the next steps, because whenever you go into this kind of presentation, you want to be thinking about what's going to happen afterwards. This is only like a little, this is only a little piece of a much bigger puzzle. And so planning what those next steps are very closely linked to that objective. Yeah. Again, before we, we press record, we were just talking about the fact that um, there's some research from uh, Gong, IO who do they basically analyze thousands probably millions these days of kind of like zoom calls and teams calls sales calls and they they basically um run machine learning over the top of it and can find out you know looking for patterns you know what makes a successful call and one of the things they a couple of years ago they um made public was um a successful sales meeting will spend a minimum of 12 percent of the time talking about next steps you know, which is like, what's the, what do we want you to do next? You know, um, because it's that bit that creates the the sales velocity. And for uh, certainly people with my technical background, one of the things it tells you is you can never overrun on the demo. You know, and what, whatever you're doing, never overrun because you need to leave that 12% there to create the velocity of what's going to happen next. You know, what, what is yeah. it we want of you or we expect of you? So, you know, hugely important. I wanted to come to the bit about being remembered. Um, and this kind of goes to, you know, it's called technical storytelling about the power of stories and and being remembered. I know we talked about the fact that there's, there's a statistic, I think it's um, uh, was it made to stick book, which is quite old now, but it had this statistic. It was something like 64% of people will remember a story, but only 5% of people remember statistics. So, you know, so stories yeah. are hugely important, uh, you know, how are you going to be remembered? Um, yeah. 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 I mean, so you're right. So using metaphor, using story, and, and I think it couples really with that energy and emotion, because if you're talking about a story, mm-hmm. then um, people make an emotional connection to it. They they get a feeling, you know, about that story. And they might not remember exactly how that story went, but they remember the key, some, you know, some key bits. Um, and they remember the feeling, which then like serves almost like as an anchor or a springboard, if you will, to spring them into, hey, I can look up the statistics. I can look up the detail. I can look up the next steps because I remember there was this important feeling and these were some key things that I remember and, and associate that with. So I think I think of it from from two ways. 
Firstly, there is how do you make it memorable through that storytelling? But second is having clarity in your mind on what you want them to remember. Um, and so quite often in the tech world, I see people, you know, doing the old mud, mud slinging exercise where they just bombard people with stuff and go, you know, I'm going to throw all this stuff that's in my brain that I think is really interesting at you. And then it's up to you to see which bit sticks. And then the audience, if you've got 10 people, everybody leaves with something different. Um, and I would say probably a better approach is to say, well, what are the three things you really want them to remember? You want them to remember that this thing is a really performant way forward and it's going to resolve issues A, B and C, and it's very secure, let's say, for example. Those are the three things that you want everybody in the room to remember. So how do you structure everything around those three things? We don't need to be talking about all these other things that your product might do or might not do or your solution might do. Or might. What we want to talk about is those three things and anchor around those three things. And our stories and our metaphors are going to be anchored around those things, which are going to be driving the emotion and energy that we want to, which all comes together as a whole to hopefully be relevant to the audience and drive some next steps. Yep, that's brilliant, yeah. I in my mind, it's kind of like zooming off fireworks and things about how important <laughs> discovery is, you know, to, to this, because how do you know exactly what, should be important what should be remembered for them what is going to is going to create action you know from yeah, yeah. from this so you know powerful discovery before you even get in there and understanding you know anticipate already anticipating you know what you're going to uh, how you're going to drive the emotion and the story and being remembered from that so yeah yeah um so to to Oren's great. So just going back to, um, because obviously this is a series of workshops that you do, how do you kind of organize, do you split things off into like a, a public speaking part of it or a storytelling part of it? You know, how do you, how do you split things off? Yeah. So, um, so the way I kind of like to, to talk about it and think about it is in, is in four sections, really. First section is all about that audience. So how do you understand your audience? And, and I think the key word there is around empathy. You know, how do you build empathy for your audience so that everything you do is going to be of value and of relevance to yes. them? And, you know, we go through some practical tips on how you can use LinkedIn, you know, a checklist of questions to ask. You know, I guess that discovery type piece that, that you were talking about there. So, so that's the first way I think to think about it, because then your audience centered, you're anchored on your audience. Next thing then I think about is, is how do you create great content, really compelling content? Um, so it's got a great structure. It's got a great flow. Uh, it's got good storytelling and metaphors in there. It's got great visuals. It's got great demos that are appropriate, um, you know, ambitious, but work, you know, that, that kind of stuff. So I then talk about the content. So we've got how do you, you know, the audience first, then the content, then maybe what you'd think of as more as those traditional presentation skills, you know? So how do you be you? How do you be authentic on stage? How do you deal with perhaps performance anxiety, which everybody gets, whether that's, you know, some people might get that in a smaller room. Some people might get that if they're about to do a TED global conference, but everybody gets, you know, performance anxiety at some level. So, so how do you cope with that? And then, you know, more of the, you know, how do you manage your body? What do you do with your eyes? You know, that and and what do you do with your voice? 
you know, those typical more presentation skills working on you. So I think about the audience. I think about the content. I think about you. And then the final section is then how do you translate in the different environments that you find yourself in? So whether that be um, on a video call like like we are now, uh, whether that be in a small meeting room, whether that be on a big stage at a conference or the one that is happening more and more and could be really powerful, but really hard is hybrid where mm. you've got a uh, an audience in front of you. And then some technical wizardry to beam that to the rest of the world. Um, and, and how do you succeed in that environment? And that's you know becoming more and more important. And I've seen some shockers. <laughs> so how do we you know land in that hybrid? So basically, you take that relevant message with great content that you deliver well, and you do it very effectively on the medium or the modality that you need to deliver it over. Yeah. That, just going back to the thing about hybrid presentations, I think there was some research, I think it was last year, early last year, um, uh, quite high profile. So it might have come from somebody like HBR. It, if, if it didn't, apologies to them. But it was definitely that, that hybrid is the worst environment for doing any kind of communication. Um, because the, the only thing you can do in the end is go for lowest common denominator, which is even if you're kind of live and you've got some people joining remotely, is that you've just got to assume that the only way you can communicate is as if you were remotely. You know, so al almost kind of like ignore the people in the room because you're trying to get the lowest common denominator is, you know, is the person who's, who's dialed in remotely. Do you know what? Can I challenge that? Ooh, and, good. And yeah. say, and, and, if it is Harvard's business review, they're very smart people. So I probably regret that. But I would, I would, I would completely disagree with that and say, I would rather be more aspirational and I would rather elevate it and make it everybody first class citizens, but yeah. acknowledge that we're different and, and give things for, for different parts of that. So for example, um, I want to give a great example, a great experience to people in the room. So I still want to make it interactive. You know, maybe I want to get people to put hands up. I want to, you know, uh, use gesticulations and body language. You know, I want to do those things that you might do on a stage, but also I'd love to be inclusive of the fact that there's people in different geographies, you know, that are now that wouldn't be able to be here otherwise. So let's include them, make them part of the fun. And sometimes we'll say, hey, we're going to do a poll now. And then you stick something that is aimed at the remote audience, but can still engage with those that are there. So you acknowledge that you've got the two audience types. You make sure that you've got some great engagement for both types. And we try and build it so that we're there um, as a group together. Um, so I, I disagree and say it takes work, it takes preparation, it takes a good tech setup. Take, but if you do those things, then you can make hybrid brilliant. And, and if you think about it, that's what live TV is. If you think about all those live TV shows that people love watching at home, but that people enjoy in the audience, um, they're just a massive budget production of a hybrid event. And so what we're trying to do is scale back that production, but still get that level of engagement with both audiences. So I, I challenge them and say it's possible, but it's hard and you've got to think about it. That's brilliant. There, look at, there you go. The advice from a master. At doing that. <laughs> brilliant. Yeah. So we're coming to towards the um, the end of this podcast. Um, so there's a couple of things to to ask you, Ben. Is um, what would you want as the main takeaways from uh, you know from the audience from having listened to this? So the, what I'd love people to take away is uh, firstly anybody 
anybody can raise their technical storytelling game. Sometimes people think they are born with it and, hey, I'm an introvert or, hey, I don't like it. I completely disagree with that. And some of my favourite communicators would identify as introverts. Um, so that that's the first thing I would say is, hey, everybody can raise their game. Um, and so then what I'd say is... Um, Check me out on LinkedIn. I'm putting up loads of content out there on LinkedIn. That's probably my main vehicle for, for engaging with folks. So come and, uh, and connect with me on LinkedIn. That would be lovely. And if you're interested, the course is now live. Uh, so anybody can get it. Um, and it's www.elevatedu.live where you can get more information. That's it. Yeah. And my big takeaway, it, I mean, fantastic, all of that. My big takeaway that I love that, the Oran. You know, just the way to, so it's about audience, objectives, being remembered, having a story, the energy, emotion, and the next steps. That I, I love things like having an engineering background. I love people simplifying things all the way down into, like you said, was it, we decide it was mnemonics, an acronym abbreviation. I think a mnemonic. I'm going to go for that. that. And, yeah. uh, I'll look it up later. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Okay. Thank you so much, Ben. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much indeed. Watch out for the next podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Thanks, Don. Bye-bye. So there we have it. Thanks for listening. Please do subscribe to the podcast and rate the show. It really helps spread the word. And check out our technical storytelling program to help build your influencing and leadership skills.